Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! <laughs> that was my uh, pretty good, I would say pretty good Bruce Buffer impersonation. If you don't know who that is, uh, look him up. And uh, let me know in the comments if I, uh, <laughs> if I did justice by him. Uh, that's a weird thing because I remember I went to the UFC over in uh, Boston. This was maybe two years ago, and I had recorded Bruce Buffer doing an intro, and Instagram actually took it down. Uh, I guess copyright infringement or some some bullshit like that. So hopefully that doesn't happen here. Uh, I guess I'm impersonating the likeness of somebody else. The, if they can use your likeness, I guess, and make money off that, so they don't want you, uh, you know, playing it off like you came up with it. So, yeah. Hopefully that came out well. I don't know how uh, the quality of this mic is in terms of picking that up. Probably, hopefully it doesn't sound scratchy or anything like that. We'll find out. But um, yes, uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. I usually like to have everything nice and quiet. You know, I like to seal off myself in a room to get the best audio quality I can. But it's beautiful outside right now. Um, I am inside, but I have the windows open, so you may hear some wind blowing. You may have some interference in that nature, of that nature. Um, you may hear a delivery truck, UPS, FedEx, Amazon, uh, go by once in a while. You may you may hear uh, kids playing outside, um, but hopefully it gives you that nice weather ambiance. It's kind of one of the things about living in Massachusetts. It's a love-hate, uh, or I'm actually in New Hampshire, but... Uh, it's a love-hate relationship with the weather down here because, you know, when you're out in a place like uh, California or something like that, you know, you kind of get beautiful weather all year round, all the time. Or so I've heard. I haven't been there yet. But it's kind of a love-hate relationship because the winter time, it's very, you know, miserable <laughs> around here. And seasonal depression is a real thing. Don't ask me how I know. Uh, just talking for a friend. Uh, but I do feel that seasonal depression. I know how much it sucks. You know the the. But the trade off is when you do have beautiful weather. Right now it's like sixty degrees. The sun is shining, the birds is chirping. Um, when you do have beautiful weather, you really do appreciate it a lot more. Being miserable for the past six months, so I wanted to share that. That hopefully you get that vibe. You know, with the birds chirping and all that, the wind blowing, you may get a little breeze coming in the in the. Uh, in the quote-unquote studio, but uh, we'll see. Um, hopefully, it provides you some sort of satisfaction. You know, you know me. That's what I'm here to do. Um, yeah. So I hope everybody's been well. Uh, I know it's been a while since I've uh, done an episode, but uh, here we are. Um, it just felt like the right day for a podcast. So today, I wanted to talk about something uh, as as of, you know, this month, I believe, I'd have to double check. I think it's somewhere end of April uh, or this month. I've reached a year as an EMT, one whole year. Yes, it has been a year already, my friends. So my perspectives, I'm, I, you know, I haven't listened to my previous episode about being an EMT. Um, I haven't re-listened to that and I don't plan on it. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and... Uh, give you my thoughts now that I've been in the business for about a year. Um, 
and see just overall where I stand, how I feel about what I do. Um, I think it's important to evaluate these sorts of things because, you know, if something's not right for you, I, the sooner you can change it, the better. Um, and I'm always of that nature. I evaluate a lot of things that I do in my life, uh, whether they bring me joy and happiness and satisfaction or not. You know, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where if it doesn't bring me joy, if it doesn't bring me satisfaction, it gets the axe. Like, I don't I don't have time to, to waste on, you know, gritting my teeth and plowing through. And I'm just not of that nature unless I do it to myself. You know what I mean? A workout or something like that where you hate it, but, you know, it's for your overall well-being. I'm I'm all about that. I'm all for that. Um, sports and all that. If, you know, if you enjoy it, you know, stick with it and, and, and keep on keeping on so to speak um but i thought it was important to reevaluate my uh career path and today we're gonna do that so it's been a year and right off the rip i mean one thing that has definitely not changed about uh what i do or my opinion of what i do is i do feel fulfilled and that is such a hard uh characteristic I guess in a profession to find um, feeling fulfilled and feeling that satisfaction in what you do and feel like you're actually making a difference is something that I learned very early on not early on but uh, you know I found it in a good time where I, I found it to be important you know I, I I figured that that is something that I need in my profession in order to stick with it and I definitely feel like I've nailed that as an EMT I do feel that satisfaction because, you know, you're helping people at the end of the day, whether it's a minor thing or a bigger, you know, problem like a like a real medical emergency, no matter what, you're helping somebody. Um, and it can be stupid. Sometimes I will say that it's it's I do get called for dumb shit and that's more often than not. Um, it sounds negative, but uh, it I do think that ties into where you work, like the area you work in. So I decided to work far away from home um, with good reason. I feel like I did make the right decision in that regard um, because let me let me set it up a little bit more. Uh, I do work, you know, with a lot of different people. I do have a rotation of partners, I guess. Um, bow and chicka, wow, wow. But no, I do have a, a rotation of partners that I work with only because they haven't found somebody that is going to be a permanent partner for me, you know, with a lot of turnover and uh, people coming and going and working on other things and people moving on to different professions and whatever else. Uh, you know, you're not always going to be working with the same person. And ideally, you'd want to, you know what I mean? But uh, I have worked with people that live in the city that they work in. Uh, so I don't live in this where I work. I, I'll keep it anonymous. But where I work, I work very far away. I work about an hour away. Um, and I did that on purpose. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But I've worked with people that live in the city. And, you know, they know a lot. Of, some of these people, not a lot of these people, but some of these people. Uh, and I do know that, you know, I've heard conversations where it's like they knew this person in high school and then they found out they're like a drug addict or, you know, they have, you know, even just a medical emergency. You know, they know these people and it's like a small world. I mean, if you thought uh, <laughs> if anybody who's lived in any big city, you know, it's not as big as you might think. 
you know, everybody knows somebody and typically you have some kind of connection with one person or another. Uh, so I have worked with people that work in the city and it is a conversation I've had and it is difficult. It is more difficult to work as an EMT when you're generally seeing people in a bad way. You know what I mean? It, it is tough when you know the person or you know this person knows somebody you know. So that's one thing that I feel like I did avoid and I did make the right decision by working so far away. Um, now, here's the thing. Where I work, I'm going towards Boston. So that is a fucking... An hour can take an hour and a half. An hour can take, uh, you know, an hour and 10 minutes. An hour can be an hour. But you just never know. And the morning grind, if you anybody I know, if anybody listen to this, listening to this, works in Boston, you know how miserable that drive is every morning. Uh, and that is something I forgot since I stopped working for Mercedes in over in Boston. I used to hate the drive, and I forgot all about that because it's been so long since I've worked in that general direction. So I do regret that. That is one thing that I hate. I hate traffic. I hate taking so long just to get to work. I hate getting it up so much earlier just to work in a realistic 45-minute drive without traffic. And I hate that, you know, going towards Boston, it can take way longer than that just because of the traffic for dumb things. You know what I mean? People people are shitty drivers here in Massachusetts. Uh, in the New England area, I really don't feel like we have it down packed. People are selfish. People, you know, have to get where they're going before you get to go where you're going. Like, if we were just able to accommodate each other, I think everything would flow so much smoother. Um, th- th- but that's besides the point. Uh, I do... You know, like I said, I do think it was a good thing that I li- I work so far away from where I live and from where I know I'm going to run into somebody. Um, and that I get that, you know, I, I, I have confirmed that with people that I have worked with that work in the city they work in. Um, so I feel like I made the right decision there. Uh, now, also with that, the area I work in is a lot of geriatrics, which is older people. Um, not a lot of young people are calling 911 where I am. Uh, they usually range from about, you know, 30s to 40s. Like that is kind of the, you know, the age that I'm getting called for. Uh, and that's not even old. That's not geriatric. You know, when I say geriatric, I mean 65 and over. Um, a majority of those calls are geriatric. So a lot of the calls that I have, you know, aside from the occasional medical emergency, and I'll get into that side of it a little bit later. But uh, a lot of what I do is, you know, older people uh, getting picked up off the floor. You know, they get up, you know, they lose their balance. They fall on the floor. Somebody finds them if they're in an assisted living or, you know, they activate their life alarm to come help get them up. You know, some of these people do get injured. So there is a medical aspect to it. But a majority of these people just need to be picked up, put back into bed and, you know, it happens more often than not that it is not a true medical emergency, which is leading me into my next point where it kind of I do feel like my medical skills and knowledge are kind of wasted in this area where I work because most of it just isn't there's no real call for me to be there. Um, and, you know, when you get into these areas that have a little bit more money. Uh, One thing I have noticed is they call for literally anything. Uh, Like, for example, my knee hurts. (laughs) Uh, 
you know, that's that's one of the calls I get uh, pretty frequently. My knee hurts. My back hurts. You know, was this related? Did you hurt yourself? Was it related to a fall? No. Okay, so, you know, what is the real medical emergency here? Why are you spending X amount of dollars, which is none of my business, I will admit. Um, but, like, why are you calling me, you know, a $1,500 a pop ride, Uber, <laughs> to take you to a hospital, you know, for something that is no real medical emergency it's just a little knee pain a little back pain you know it's easy for me to judge as a younger guy who really you know i can deal with a lot of pain um and i can you know i can get injured and really not you know really have a need for an ambulance or even think that doesn't even cross my mind and maybe that may do that may be due to like older people just being more afraid and you know as time goes on you become more frail and fragile and you know you're not really as confident in your ability to heal or you know some of these people are alone so when you're alone you know and older it's kind of scary i guess you know and i and i gotta take that into consideration which i do you know what i mean which i do i'm not too hard on people i, I really am not hard on anybody i'm very agreeable as someone who's worked in sales and shit you know i have that you know, uh, I, I'm able to build rapport very, very quickly with anybody. Um, you really have to, like, get on my nerves for me to be rude to you or, you know, just not be agreeable with you. Uh, so I do have that going for me where I'm able to build rapport and be very easygoing with people. So that helps in this uh, profession. But, uh, yeah, I can't I, I got to put myself in other people's shoes a lot of the time. Uh, it's easy to assume, you know, a medical emergency is not one uh, based on just what you hear over uh, radio tone, you know, when they dispatch you or, you know, just talking to somebody. There may be an underlying condition, and that's something that you have to always take into consideration. Don't be quick to judge. Um, and that's something I've definitely learned to do a lot better as time has gone on. You know, I, I don't judge as quickly. I don't assume that there is no problem. I kind of, you know, just listen, listen to all the uh, what they're telling me, what the patient's telling me, and then assess my my situation from there. So, you know, if you're working, like, for example, maybe it's just the way I was brought up, but my parents would never call the ambulance. I've never seen an ambulance or the inside of an ambulance. I mean, I've seen one, obviously, but I've never been in the inside of an ambulance or seen the inside of an ambulance until I've worked at this job. And, uh, you know, especially with kids, a lot of people are afraid. Um, that is the other aspect of this job that you should be, you know, concerned when it's your child because things can go south pretty quickly, uh, especially if it's a serious medical concern. They may be fine one moment and then all of a sudden they're plummeting the next. That very rarely happens unless there's some kind of underlying condition um, or they're within a specific window of time uh, for kids in their life, you know, if they're brand new. Uh, <laughs> I, I make them sound like a commodity, but if they're like a brand new, you know, human being, little baby boy, little baby, baby girl, an infant, you know, uh, things can go south pretty quickly and you do have to keep an eye on them a lot more, um, than you would like a toddler or you would, uh, in a different way. I wouldn't say a lot more, but in a different way, a toddler or, you know, an adolescent child. So I get those, those are fine. Like I would probably be the same way. I'm not a parent myself, uh, but I would definitely be a lot more concerned, you know, for my child's well-being. Uh, so I get that. But here's the uh, the thing. I'm not getting a lot of pediatric calls, which is 
children. Uh, that usually goes to paramedics, uh, just because it's so the the you know the situation is so sensitive. Um, they want somebody a little bit more experienced on scene uh, with pediatric calls. Uh, so I'm not seeing a lot of that. You know what I mean? I may get one or two here and there. Um, and you know, you behave, you act accordingly. You try to be as you know. Uh, you got to look at everything. You know, you can't write anything off or take anything for granted. So I'm not seeing a lot of that. The, like I said, the majority of my calls are, you know, a lot of geriatric calls. Um, and where I work in particular, you know, you get a lot of that. And then you also uh, get a lot of psychiatric patients. But I'm getting a little bit off track. Um, you know, when I was growing up, if I was really, really sick... Or I was, you know, I remember this one specific time. Uh, it's one of my earliest memories of, you know, uh, being really, really sick. My parents would never, like I said, I've never seen the inside of an ambulance until I started working for one. So even when I was a kid, you know, I would be sick, hallucinating, you know, with the fevers and chills and vomiting everywhere and just feeling like overall shit. And I can, I, yes, this happened maybe a handful of times because I was a, pretty healthy kid. I'm, I'm a very healthy adult. Um, thank you for the genes, mom and dad. Uh, but my parents never even thought to call an ambulance, no matter what the situation. They kind of were like, this is like a medical emergency situation. This was like those, uh, <laughs> those axes you see in glass casings, like break if you know, you need it in an emergency. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just shatter the glass and rip it out. Those are one of those buttons that my parents just never ever pushed and arguably it made me stronger as a kid you know what I mean like I understand the gravity of calling an ambulance and I feel like a lot of these people do not you know whether it's that they've grown up around money because where I work there is a lot of money you know what I mean there are a lot of rich you know well-off people um and that's not a bad thing you know to each their own I'm not I'm not shaming anybody for being wealthy <laughs> or you know well-off um, you do you, but they definitely hit the panic button a lot more than my parents did or anybody I know does, you know, I, the only time, and like even people I know don't call the ambulance, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know anybody that uses the ambulance as often as people that were, that live in my area of work. So one thing I have seen a lot is that people call the ambulance and they call it rather than fending for themselves and, you know, taking an Uber. If your knee hurts, take an Uber. You know what I mean? If your back hurts and you really can't move or anything like that, I understand. And you're living alone, I get that. You know, I, there are things you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But a lot of these calls are non-emergent medical calls. So that's one thing that I have gotten used to. Um, and it does, you know... It does change your idea of EMS because like in school, they're telling you, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're training for real medical emergencies, like making sure you suction patients. And <laughs> uh, when I say suction, I mean, uh, like if they're choking on their own blood, saliva, you know, they're, they're not conscious. They usually, you know, they usually, their body isn't, you know, behaving the way it should. You're going to have to monitor the airway, you know, uh, make sure they're not lethargic. There are all these things, medical emergencies that you prepare for in school that, to be honest, where I work, I don't, I do not use. Um, so that is one thing that 
you know, if you're really, really, uh, you know, thinking about doing anything like I do, um, being an EMT, paramedic, you know, any first responder stuff, choosing where you work is very important, uh, something you should really think about. And aside from the distance and the type of emergencies I handle um, and the fact that, you know, the, the main thing is I don't run into people that I know. And that is a huge thing, especially as a brand new EMT. Uh, the job changes if you are working with somebody you know, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, uh, but if you're working on somebody you know, it's definitely a higher pressure situation. Like I, it would kill me. It would it would definitely traumatize me if I worked with someone um, that I was in school with and then I get called for an overdose or I get called for a car accident or I get called for, you know, whatever else, whatever tragedy. Um, and then I find it's somebody that I know that would rattle me. I feel that that would rattle me. I mean, you, re- you never really you never really know until you're in these situations how you're going to react um, but that would rattle me. That would change the way I do what I do. It would uh, not allow me to be as cool, calm, and collective as I am. Uh, and that's something that I worried about very much when I decided, you know, when I was ready to find a job as an EMT. Uh, now I'm very much more comfortable with the emergency setting. So maybe I can handle it a little bit better. You know, maybe it wouldn't bother me as much if it was like my friend's mom or, you know, my cousin or my aunt. You know, what if what if it was somebody I know, you know, as somebody, a family member? So these are things that uh, I do pat myself on the back for choosing a place where I don't know anybody because that allows me to focus on my skills. That allows me to assess situations better um, and work on the basics. Uh, and that's what I wanted for myself. I wanted to work at a place that allowed me to focus on the basics, especially as a new AMT. You know, you also don't want to work somewhere where you're going to hit the ground running constantly. I've heard the argument that it makes you, you know, you really get your, you know, your skills down and you become a better EMT. And I, I see that point of view. I understand. But it, I do not agree. Um, because think about it. If you're getting rolled on with calls left and right and you are somebody who's just constantly boom 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 going to one call to the other not able to really assess yourself and you know say hey what did I do wrong here what did I do wrong there you're not going to really develop the right habits to do your job properly and to the best of your ability you know it's like it's like getting on a thousand I I gotta you know I gotta find better you know analogies and (laughs) other than like cars and motorcycles and shit I love but like that's like not knowing how to ride a motorcycle and then jumping on a on a super sport or uh you know a race bike. You know, you're going to fucking you're not going to develop the skills you need, you know, like proper turning, mechanics and all like that. So and and things like that. So, you know, I do think that if you are brand new going into any career and this doesn't just apply to EMT, uh the EMT life or career path, you do want to be able to you know, pace yourself and be able to gently ease into these things. Because I could have worked in Lawrence, you know what I mean? I could have worked in a, in a high-volume city where it's just, like, a lot of things happening and, and just a lot going on. And, you know, I could, you know, really, you know, be a, that nitty-gritty EMT that, you know, just seen everything and done everything. But it doesn't mean I'd be better at my job. It doesn't mean I'd 
be able to handle all kinds of situations and pay attention to the details like I do now. Um, where I work now, you know, even in a medical emergency, I, I will, and I may be patting myself on the back, you know, more than once here. Um, and I'm not one to boast, brag, or gloat, but I do feel like I handle things pretty damn well. Like, I don't feel ever out of my depth, uh, even when it's a call that is not really meant for BLS, which would be basic life support, ALS, advanced life support, which they can do a bunch of more a bunch more shit and just, you know, a, a whole different scope, uh, not only within my practice, but beyond. So, so there are occasions where I will get called out to an ALS call. And even on those calls, when people have trouble breathing and doing all this, I still know what to do and I'm not panicking. And I feel like I can attribute that to working in a place where I'm not hitting the ground running and, and just like frantically you know, working and and uh, being exposed to a ton of different situations. Um, so I do. That's one thing I will say. Just don't be so quick to rush into uh, seeing things. I'll put it this way: one of my first calls, and I, you know, ladies and gentlemen, to a degree, I have to keep this, um, you know, anonymous. HIPAA violations and all that, I can't really, you know, explain too much. I can only tell you general things that won't give away a patient's identity or whatever. But one of my first calls, and this was probably, or my first emergencies, I'll say, because I was third riding, which you have generally two people in an ambulance uh, at all times. You don't really get a third. Um, but when you're, you know, just starting out in training and I guess like uh, getting used to being on the job, they'll put you as a third rider which allows you to see the job, you know, kind of help out a little bit. But you work with uh, two people that are typically partners. And then you yourself just pretty much observe, uh, help out, see how, you know, they do things. So one of my first calls, first emergencies as a third rider, was somebody who had gotten run over by a landscaping truck. Um, and usually a third rider, you're really not there for long. I think you're doing a 30 hour third ride. So you're just there for 30 hours, maybe a shift and a half or two shifts. And then after that, you know, well, if you're talking 24 hours, but just a couple shifts. And after that, you know, you decide when you're ready to, you know, when you feel like you're ready, but that was a pretty, even to this day, even after doing this for a year, that was probably the hot, like the most gruesome, I would say, gruesome and medically emergent that I have called that I have had. Um, it's in the top three for sure. Uh, and it's also when I didn't, I, I was a brand new EMT. Like I said, I've only been out on the job for a few hours. And... This person was in bad shape. I'll put it that way. I won't get too graphic, uh, but I'll put it this way. Things weren't where they're supposed to be. <laughs> I'm not laughing at this person. It's just me trying to dance around the, uh, the nitty-gritty of it. But things weren't where they should be, and things were missing. I'll put it that way. Um, 
not only that, this person didn't speak English and nobody on scene or really very few people in the city that I work in speak Spanish. Um, so it fell on me. And it was just luck of the draw that I got this call with these, uh, you know, with everybody responding, fire, police. Uh, it was just like a serious medical emergency and it felt serious. But I was able to communicate to this person and, you know, really t almost test my mettle because I've never seen anything like that. Even in like just in my everyday life, I've never seen a medical emergency that severe. Uh, and you typically don't as somebody who isn't involved in EMS or emergency first responding. So this was like a true first test of how I might be able to handle medical emergencies from here on out. And granted, at the time, I have no notion of what the city is like. I have no notion of how often these medical emergencies happen. But when the time came, it was like, this is it. This is what I've trained for. This is what I'm prepared for. And I got on scene. And honestly, I, again, I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say that I handled it very well. And that's not me saying that, um, you know, after the fact, every medical emergency, you do a debriefing. And, uh, you know, they go over the call when it's a serious call. And they say, hey, you know, great job. Here's what we think. And, you know, here's what you can work on and blah, blah, blah. So this isn't coming from me. Um, but that was my first test. And, you know, to see like a broken bone or, you know, you know, things like that is it's very jarring. I've never broken a bone. Um, but one thing that I found to be true is the training. I, I was on autopilot for the for the whole the whole ordeal. You know, I was calm, cool. I didn't panic. I didn't. I wasn't afraid to do things. Uh, and you really don't know until that moment of truth comes around for you. It's fight or flight. And I've seen a lot of people who are not built for this, and I've had to deal with them. You know, I've had to like do a whole shift, and you know, with somebody who is just not mentally prepared for this, um, and who just you know, and you never know. Like you just never know until you're there. So that was a huge relief for me um, to be able to operate in that situation and let the training kick in. Uh, so, you know, I was able to go into the ALS uh, ambulance and, you know, communicate and, you know, uh, effectively and, you know, make sure they understood what was going on and be able to uh, translate for the uh, medics. And overall, it got me like a real taste, you know, 30 hours in or whatever it was. It got it gave me a real taste of what EMS is like, um, depending where you work, obviously. Um, so with that being said, you know, I knew very early that I was going to be OK. Um, and that's kind of like my piece of advice. That's kind of the takeaway of this story. Um, don't, you know, do your do your part when you're when you're in these like academies and schools and you know you're going through the training really like pay attention really involve yourself really do your best because it's only going to serve you well in you know in the field um i i you know it, a lot of things you can skate by when it comes to training and all that like not in the ems field in particular but in general you know you you go to school and you know you you pretty much you know cruise through it and maybe not pay attention as much and you know you're doing in the EMS field that's you know that's a disservice to yourself 
you know, you have to be very independent, knowledgeable, and uh, you have to be you be able to rely on yourself, you know, to get the job done and do what's right for the patient, uh, do what's medically right uh, and, and necessary, uh, be able to assess situations and medical situations very well. You know, these are things that are only going to make this job, you know, it, you could dread it every day or you could go in and you know, be confident in the decisions you make and know that your training is going to allow you to do your job with a cool, calm, collective demeanor. So please, please, if anybody is thinking about being an EMT or if you're in the fire department or trying to become a medic, you want to be able to, you want to pay attention. You want to, you know, take away as much as you can from these classes because they're very short. They're like maybe my class in particular was five months. I know that there are quicker accelerated courses you know, if unless you have like a background in med- in the medical field, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, you know, teach their own. Everybody learns differently. Me personally, I, if I didn't have the time to read, study, and take those five months, six months, and really, you know, focus, I don't think I'd be as good of an EMT as I am. Uh, so, you know, anybody thinking about doing this, please don't sh- sell yourself short and, you know, cruise through classes. Make sure you pay attention. Uh, moving on, though, that's one thing, you know, where you work, make sure you pick somewhere where you're going to be able to really get your feet wet. Uh, and then when you're ready, move on, um, move on to where you think you'd be, you know, better suited. If that's your speed, if that's your mode, great. But uh, if that is, you know, a little boring and monotonous for you, if you're sick of the day to day transfers and all that. You know, you'll be able to move on confidently uh, and you'll be able to pick a higher volume, you know, higher activity area, uh, somewhere where where you see a more broader uh, array of situations. Um, So that's where I'm at right now. Um, I am, you know, I've kind of gotten the picture of where I live, but I think I'm ready to move to somewhere a little bit more higher call not call volume so to speak because uh, i we do have a good flow of calls but something a little bit more medically emergent um and that'll change based on you know it, and it you know it's kind of hard sad to say but like higher poverty areas uh areas that are more dense with human uh humans <laughs> you know bigger cities stuff like that these are all things that you want to take into consideration when choosing where you want to work so now that i've you know Got the gist of it after a year. I, I think I'm ready to move to somewhere a little bit more, you know, a little bit more where uh, where I'm useful, um, meaningfully useful. So the next thing I would say uh, about after being a year in this business um, is, uh, you know, your hospitals do matter. Uh, you want to make sure you work in a good next to a good hospital or in an area in an area with a hospital that is, you know, pretty reputable and, you know, has their shit together, so to speak. Uh, when, you know, it's one thing to be an EMS provider and you're in the field doing things, but half of the time you're in a hospital. You are working closely with nurses, doctors, uh, occasionally doctors, but nurses and, you know, a different, just a different environment altogether. Um, and you want to make sure that you work with, you know, you want your job to be fairly, uh, you know, easy. You want to make sure that everybody is on their P's and Q's and, you know, that they're able to get you in and out of the hospital 
quick enough. You know what I mean? You don't want to work at a place where they're backed up and you're standing there for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I mean, I get it. Granted, you're not able to pick and choose a lot of things. But do your research about your area. Uh, I guess that's the main takeaway of me, you know, babbling and saying all this shit. Um, you know, do your research on where you're going to work because uh, it will matter. It will come into play frequently. Um, and one thing I, I, you know, I work 24-hour shifts. Uh, if For those of you who don't know, I work 24-hour shifts twice a week. Uh, and honestly, I wouldn't change that. I mean, it, sure, I'd work maybe a couple more days if I didn't have to do overnights, but the amount of the work-life balance is what it what does it for me. You know, it's the reason I enjoy doing what it's a big reason why I enjoy doing what I do. Uh, and I, I, there's very few other professions. I was talking to a medic, and she said it the best. Shout out to Margaret. Um, you know, there are very few professions that give you this work-life balance where, you know, you're able to make your check and then be able to enjoy it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I do not regret do uh, making the decision to become an EMT and have that balance where, you know, I have the days that I work, sure, you know, you're not going to get a lot of sleep. That's one thing. Some people can sleep really well on the job. I cannot. Um... And you're allowed to, don't get me wrong, I'm not like, you know, slacking off or, you know, getting around my duties, but, you know, you're working 24 hours, at some point you gotta sleep, and I'm just not good at sleeping, you know, uh, I can sleep where it's not my bed, but you you will constantly hear tones, and tones are like dispatching, you know, other ambulances and paramedics, um, but that'll be a constant thing you'll have to learn to deal with, you know, through the night, you'll be essentially hit with an alarm clock at random and if you're like me who has a little bit of an uh, anxiety <laughs> it, it makes it very difficult to sleep and even when I do fall asleep I'm waking up you know throughout the night and restarting the process of tossing and turning and trying to get back to sleep and and I, I've tried everything it's been a year uh, I've tried everything and it's just not gonna happen I'm not gonna get a good night's sleep when I work so uh, you know you got to kind of get used to that you know being tired and miserable the next day uh that's just something that you know not everybody might go through but i i deal with frequently so you know and that balance is good because you get home tired and all that but you're able to sleep and recoup you know the next day and that's something that i do I, the next day after i'm out of work i sleep like a bear like i gotta sleep i i i, I don't get much sleep no matter what i do um so i gotta make up for it somewhere um that's the beauty of this job. It gives you the freedom to do that. It gives you the freedom. Like I, one thing that I really am grateful for is to be able to. I've I've picked up soccer again. Um, that's one thing that I, I didn't know how much I missed it until I was able to do it again. Um, I, uh, I'm able to spend time, you know, with my dad playing soccer, and I can't. I can't trade that for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's these moments like this is what life is about for me. You know, this is what I've I've found to be important. Spending being able to spend that time with family and friends, which I do a lot more now. Because I I'm, I'm able to do that and still make my checks, still go to work, but 
have the 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 flexibility and the freedom to say yeah let's go you know it not everybody has the same day off you know i have some friends that have mondays off i have some friends that have thursdays fridays you know i have people that you know depending on what they do life tears you in different directions but i'm able to preserve those relationships and that's something that i feel is the most important thing about life and for me i i i'm able to preserve my my relationships with with people you know, and, and that's what's important to me. And this job allows me to do that so well. Uh, and for me, it's like an overall fulfilling life. And one thing about this job uh, is that you do trade your time for compensation. You are not well compensated in this business for what you do. And that, you know, it may be a couple dollars here and there elsewhere, uh, which makes a huge difference. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying the factor, the money factor. But, you know, I'm kind of trading money for time which i'm okay making that trade you know and if if money was a real issue i would be able to pick up overtime every place does it differently but be uh, that is something that you got to expect uh you're not going to start out making a ton of money but you're going to have a ton of time and you can do whatever you want with that time, which is the big reason why I do what I do. Like that is the holy grail balance for me. I spend two days at work and, uh, you know, five days doing whatever else I love to do. And, you know, that that's worth it for me. You know, that's worth not making oodles 100000 a year. <laughs> I've been in a position where I've made, you know, a good sum of money at never 100000 but I've made a very comfortable living. But I'd be at work 80 hours a week, 70 hours a week, 60 hours a week. And for me, it's just not a life. It's not, it's not, uh, my money and my time are not equal to me. My time is everything. And, you know, you decide what's right for you. But over time and doing a bunch of different career paths and a bunch of different jobs, that's just something that, you know, means the world to me. So... That aside, uh, I do feel, as I said earlier, I do feel fulfilled. Um, you know, I'm helping people. I'm not. I'm not in it for personal gain. Uh, I'm. I'm in it to help people. And not everybody's like that. You know, some people are. You know, money machines, and that's just what they love, and that's enough motivation for them. That's just not the way I've. I was wired. I blame it on my upbringing. You know, blame it on, you know, the fact that my dad was able to spend time with me, uh, even though he had a nine to five. You know, he was able to take me sledding, learn me, teach me how to ride my bike. Uh, he took the time to spend and and be a dad. And, you know, he did that. He, he made that a uh, priority. And I want to do the same. So I'm looking in, you know, I'm I'm trying to prepare myself for the future and be able to spend this time with my future kids, my wife. You know, those are the things that I've deemed to be important because they've been essential to my my life. You know, a good work ethic is great, but a great parent is so much better. Um you know, uh my dad always had a good work ethic. He you know, he he did it all. And um, I want to be able to do the same. So, yes, I don't get paid a ton, 
but you know this is something that will afford me love and afford me you know the ability to be there for my family my friends and uh, make memories you know because that's what's gonna at the end of the day that's that's where it's at you know being able to laugh and enjoy life and i'm doing that you know i just have to do it in a different at a different level i can't i'm not going on vacations left and right you know i'm not i'm not going out to eat every day <laughs> you know th- those are things that come and go but uh yeah the the love and memories that you make with people that's that's forever um another thing about this job uh getting back to it is you know it's given me perspective on a lot of things um and you guys know me i mean if you've heard anything i fucking said uh, a lot of my life and a lot of my growth as an adult has been based around perspective and uh you know just being aware and being cognitive of life um and and developing that relationship with my vitality and is that did i say that right vitality volatility um anyways yeah uh you know i know i know very intimately that people's health are so fleeting um you can be good one day and then be found out and then be told you have two weeks (laughs) one day you know what i mean you can be fine one day and then you know in shambles the next and people people are not long for this world uh anything can happen you know I've seen some horrendous car accidents. Uh, I've never had to deal with that, but I've taken one person, you know, I've transported one person one day, you know, having a conversation with them and found out they were dead the next, you know? Uh, So when it's your time, it's your time. And that's something that has become super apparent, like super, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but that is one thing that has become super, 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 super uh, obvious to me. You know, um, we're not here forever. And it may sound, you know, as a youth, you know, when you're healthy and you you have your, your mind and you have your body and you're able to do things, you don't think about it. You don't really think that way. You know, you wake up and you're like, ah, what am I going to do today? You know, am I going to go for a run? You know, am I going to go, you know, do some sports? Am I going to see my girlfriend? Am I going to, you know, those are the main things that as a youth, you, you're the, that's, that's your biggest concern, you know, like, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, these are all things, fleeting problems. Um, But when your health starts failing you, uh, none of that matters anymore. And that is something that time and time again, I, I've talked to a lot of people, as you could imagine, a lot of patients, a lot of people that have just, you know, are reflecting. They're at the stage of reflecting on their past life. And I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of people have said, you know, what's important to them, you know, it, it's people, it's their time with their loved ones. It's, you know, what they've, you know, the chance of they taken, they, the, the, the life that they've lived. Um, very few people that I've spoken to have said money is, you know, something that they're, that they, you know, that they loved, that they did. <laughs> I I've not, I haven't heard it once. Um, so 
one thing, uh, and this is expect. This was expected, but one of the things that this job gave me was perspective on a lot of things, and it's taught me to be grateful um, for the health that I have and of my loved ones. Um, you know, I'm I'm playing soccer with my dad. That is something that I'm not going to be able to do for forever. You know, he's been doing it all his life, but one day he's going to have to hang it up. And one thing I would regret is not, not, you know, you know, he taught me how to play, (laughs) you know, so to be able to share a field with him, share the pitch and pass the ball to him and, you know, set him up and just experience these moments, you know, in a sport together, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's something I'll never be able to get back. It's something that only this job would allow, uh, afford me to do. I couldn't do it any other way. You know, these jobs, they require more and more of you. They require you to be there more and more, uh, making money for other people and just, you know, sacrificing all your time to make somebody else money. And that just wasn't for me. That's not the life for me. That's not where when when I'm fucking dying, (laughs) the last thing I want to do is say, I wish I did shit with my dad. I wish I did shit with my friends. I wish I, you know, took more risks and, and traveled and did more things. This allows me to do that. So. I may be thinking too far into the future, um, and maybe it's because I'm fucking 30 years old. Maybe I, maybe this is my decline. Maybe my knees are about to go. You know, maybe my back has seen its its best days. But you know, I'm I'm making the best of it, and I think that's that's kind of what the biggest, the the probably the most uh, meaningful part of this job is for me. It allows me to to enjoy my life. Um, I may not make a ton of money. I may die broke, but I enjoyed my life. Um, yeah, that's uh, words of wisdom for the day, I guess. Um, I would say uh, another aspect of this job that I love is that it it is a, you know, you're going to get a mixed bag of things. It doesn't get monotonous. Um if you work in the right place, I think where I work is a little monotonous just because it's a re- repetition of drive this person from A to B. You know, we have too much of that. And I'm not here to sugarcoat shit. I'm giving you exactly how I feel uh, when it comes to, you know, my my, my profession and wh- where I work and what I do um, and what I have to deal with. But, uh, yeah, you're... you're Everybody has different problems. You know, some people may have trouble breathing. Some people may, you know, have broken bones, you know, uh, car accidents. You know, there there are tons of things. Um, but the mixed bag is something that is super for me. Uh, I can't be at a desk. <laughs> it drives me fucking nuts. Um, I can't be at a desk. I can't be in one place too much. Um, and that's just throughout my entire life. I, I like the fluid, the, the fluidity of life uh, that I've built for myself. You know, if I get bored of something, I'm cutting it and I'm doing something else. And that's just the way I am. Uh, I've worked in several professions as it is. Uh, I've had several careers. And it's just my life. It's just the way I am. Uh, I get bored of something. I stop doing it and I do something else. Uh, That's just what life's about. Um, So one thing about this job is that I do have, you know, a good mix of responsibility and situations that I come across. So if you like that, you know, if you if you if you're sick of being in one place, showing up to work every day and not and, you know, just uh, now I got to send this email. Now I got to make this phone call. Now I got to go to this meeting now. I, and it's just shit that you do every day. If that's not, you know, your cup of tea. I mean, it's not mine, regardless of the money. You know, you may want to 
look into something like EMS. Um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, though. I know I've been pretty positive. Uh, but uh, there's a lot to love, but there is a lot to hate. Like I said, where I work, uh, I'm doing a lot of like, oh, I got to bring this person to Boston. I got to bring this person to this. I got to bring this person to that. A lot of driving, a lot of, you know, uh, non-emergent situations. It all depends on what you're looking for. Uh, that may be somebody's speed. You know, they may just like cruising and doing all that. I personally like feeling more useful. I like, you know, feeling that that purpose. Um, and not that I don't. Not that I don't. But it's uh, you may want to think about that when you're choosing where you work. Uh, and I'm not here to give anybody advice. This is more of a review of my life as an EMT and what do I think about it, you know, a year later. Um, and honestly, uh, you gotta be ready to work in the cold cause that shit fucking sucks. These, these stretchers are made out of metal. Some of them, I know I'm, I, we don't have the best stretchers. We have these old school mechanic fucking stretchers that, you know, you have to use your back to use and all that. Not every place is like that, but, um, I, I have to work in the cold often and these stretchers are freaking freezing cause they're made out of metal. And, you know, you have to be outside a lot. You have to be walking through a bunch of snow when someone doesn't, um, you know, shovel their driveway or shovel their walkway or clean the steps. Like, they, they, these are things to take into consideration, you know. The seasons change here. Um, so you're going to be working in all types of elements. Uh, granted, you may be, it may be brief, but you got to be ready for that. It, it is a high labor, high intense job. Uh, and I'm in good shape. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not soft and fluffy in any way um, by any means, but... Um, you know, you got to be prepared for a manual labor job. A, a portion of this, just as much as it is medical, it is physical uh, or even mental or medi medically mental. <laughs> it's uh, physical, you know, so you're going to have some intense days. You're going to be lifting people up and down all day long. You're going to be carrying people, you know, from one spot to another. You know, not everybody's in an ideal location. Not everybody is uh, in a place that's easy to get to and, you know, just... Um, it's not all sunshine and rainbow. Sometimes you got to get gritty. Uh, some people can't take care of themselves. So I'm going to get a little uh, sensitive, I guess. So if you have weak stomachs or anything like that, please skip forward. Uh, I don't have a time, but yeah, just skip forward a little bit. But you're going to work in conditions that not everybody's a clean person. Some people are hoarders. Some people... You know, work in a place that don't have the best living conditions. Some people, can't, you know, they have dementia and can't take care of themselves or their health is declining and they can't essentially, you know, bathe every day or, you know, they're I, the worst condition, ugh, the worst. Uh, and it just it, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. But one of the worst conditions I've had uh, to work in was somebody who's took a sudden, their health took a sudden decline, like their cognitive ability and ability to care for themselves just took a sudden turn, um, which happens, you know what I mean? Uh, something may be undiagnosed and, you know, they're fine one day and then all of a sudden shit hits the fan. Um, and just like this situation that I've been in, this house was just covered in feces, like everywhere. Like it was just, this person couldn't make it to the bathroom, you know, and it, they refused to call for help. So, you know, because they were independent prior and now they're not. And it happened so fast that it was just like one day they were fine and the next day they weren't. And, and this was coming from uh, this like uh, a, this uh, account of this person's health was coming from, I think it was the landlord. 
um, he had called her for help. And then we were there. We showed up. And uh, it was just like feces everywhere on the carpet, you know, on the walls. Like everything was just a mess. And it just like everywhere you look, everything you touch, it was just like it's, you know, it's like, ah. So you got to be ready to work in these conditions. You got to be ready to go into somebody's house who sm- does nothing but smoke. So it, it just fills your lungs with this residual smoke. Uh, you know, you got to be ready to, to touch blood. You know, you got to be ready to, uh, you know, get in there uh, and not hesitate. So th- these are things that you may not think about. Uh, but, or, you know, I didn't, th- that shit didn't cross my mind. Like how severe, like some people, the conditions of some people's living arrangements are. That's not something that really crossed my mind when I was doing this. I was thinking more like I'll be like, you know, if somebody has a heart attack, I'll be running in there, you know, like uh, in slow motion, <laughs> you know, and saying, hey, I'm hero here. What seems to be the problem? You know what I mean? I Like that to an extent was in my head. Uh, not always the case. Some shit is just you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> uh. So they're, you know, expect the unexpected, expect to run into all kinds of situations. It's it's a mixed bag, and I love it and I hate it sometimes. But, you know, I don't run into those situations often, I will say that. Um, granted, I work in a place that's, you know, highly educated and, you know, people, you know, take care of themselves. And, you know, they, they just have, they've been brought up differently. So I don't know what it would look like in a city that, you know, is a little bit more... Uh, you know, uh, you know, la- lack of education, you know, more poverty, more like, I don't know how it would be. Um, but you know, it's, uh, these are things you have to consider, uh, and that you may not consider. Um, so that was a little bit like, you know, shocking and it's not something that I deal with too frequently. Um, I may deal with it, like I said, more frequently somewhere else, but I don't deal with it where I work, uh, in the area I work in. Um, one thing I did, you know, I, I I know I'm running like probably, yeah, I'm like about at an hour, so I, I'm stretching it. But one last thing, uh, car accidents. Uh, one thing I thought I would see a lot of is, uh, you know, car accidents that, you know, I thought car accidents were life and death most of the time. You know, my idea of a car accident uh, was pretty extreme uh, before I got into EMS. Um, but these cars have gotten so good. Uh, with their safety systems and their, uh, I'm saying, uh, a lot. Like, am I having a stroke? Am I having a stroke? (laughs) Um, but, uh, car accidents typically aren't as serious as I thought they were. These cars have gotten so good with their safety systems, airbags, sensors, ABS, all these things, you know, just their safety systems in general, their crash ratings. A lot of people actually walk away from what seem to be horrific accidents. Uh, they walk away generally unscathed. Um, once in a while, I'll you know, I've come across people that have been pretty seriously injured in a car accident. You know, bang their head, concussions, haven't been wearing their seatbelt, uh, cuts everywhere. I've I've run into some pretty extreme accidents where this person in particular went off the road and into somebody's lawn through the trees and their car was in the tr- not in the trees but in the brushes and they got very lucky their car was unrecognizable and i'm a car guy my hunch was it was a nissan i'm not sure i can't tell 
Uh, that's how bad it was. And this person was just sitting there with this look on their face and, you know, cut up. And it was just like cars have come a long way. And this car was uh, beyond totaled if it was unrecognizable. And but this person was OK, if not in shock. I mean, I can definitely understand she was in shock and I understand. But car accidents are one thing that, you know, you see fairly often and, you know, they're not very extreme. Um, so that was one thing that I was like, oh shit, like that's, that's not what I thought it would be. Um, cars have come a long way. So I'm rambling, I'm stretching it. Uh, so I'm going to cut it here, but don't be afraid. You know, if, if you, uh, if you're looking for something, you know, if you're looking for a job or you're trying to find out what's for you and. I'm not saying that this is where I'm going to end my life. You know, I'm not going to, I may, I, I already feel the winds of change are coming and not that I don't like my job or that, um, you know, uh, I, uh, hate what I do by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, I do feel like, you know, I, I like the field I'm in. Um, and I want to see what else I can do with it. I want to mix it up. So we'll see what happens, but, I, I enjoy what I do right now. You know, I enjoy being able to sit here and, and talk to you guys. And, you know, I have the time to do this. You know, that then only this job will afford me that. So, love what you do. I think, you know, there are avenues for money and all that. But love what you do. I think that's first and foremost. Uh, love what you do. Um, be Whatever lifestyle works for you. Uh, Wilmerk, shout out to you. I don't know if you're listening. But uh, you... you you're very right when you said that people think of it all wrong. Um, you know, it, it, people don't, you know, build, choose a job that fits your lifestyle. You know, don't chase something that doesn't because honestly, you're never going to, you're never going to be happy. You're not going to enjoy it. If it doesn't fit your lifestyle, if all you do is hustle and make money and that's your lifestyle, by all means, that's, that's, there's a spot for you. Um, if you're someone that would appreciate their time a little more, like myself, like I, I enjoy not being at work. You know, I enjoy doing what I got to do and taking care of everything. And, you know, I don't live in abundance, but, you know, I, I afford myself certain things, certain time. Then there's a place for you, too. Uh, and if you want to be in between, goddamn, there's a place for you, too. <laughs> I appreciate you guys listening. Um, don't be afraid to take chances and do and do something new. You know, find what you really want, find what you, what, what works with your lifestyle best and, and just stick with it, you know, do that. But I love you. I love your faces that I've never seen. <laughs> I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you know, do what you love, love what you do. All right, y'all. I'll catch you on the next one. Domo arigato. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you. Peace.